Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is a real estate investor and entrepreneur, Mrs. Lisa Phillips. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good to catch up with you because... congratulations with everything you got going on oh thank you yeah it's been it's been a lot of work but hey well worth it to lead the legacy to the kids now how did you get involved with real estate okay so when i was 19 so i graduated college i did college in two years i was a teenage mom so i knew i needed to kind of hurry up and get school going get my career going and i went into social work and you, you know, anything about social work, you know, it doesn't pay anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how do I get to do what I like doing, but make more money? And I started researching it. What, you know, passive income, you know, and everything was saying real estate, you know, the 19 year old, you're just like, whatever. It, Google said real estate, it's real estate. And so I start looking online for some good deals and I stumbled upon a deal and, um, kind of got lucky the the broker that I spoke with was like hey this you know this property is a good deal however I have another property down the street that's half the cost it needs renovations but the guy he gambled all his money away last night can't close today <laughs> and I was like okay that's weird but you know whatever a bag is a bag and so um bought that property for fourteen thousand dollars back in 2010 I believe and um, put in about $30,000. Today, it's worth about two fifty. dollars Where was it? Huh? It's in Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. And what makes it also amazing is the same tenants. <laughs> I haven't changed tenants are there. So it's just been a, a nice, you know, uh, cash machine. Oh, you're saying when you, once you bought it, you rented it out and the same people are there since 2009? Yeah, I, I renovated it and the same tenants are there. So really one of the, it's a duplex. So one of the units, it's technically not the same tenant, but the sister moved out and was like, hey, can my brother move in? I said, sure. So that, that you know, essentially the same tenant. Wow, damn. Let's, let's back up a little bit because I don't want people to miss the fact that you said you had a, a, you had a child as a teenager. Two. Oh, wow, how, how old were you now? Back. Um, got pregnant at 17 and then another one when I was 18. So when you were at that time, because I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was tough being a teenage mom. What was your thought process about trying to advance? Did you ever feel like, oh no, I have two kids. I'm, I may not amount to what I thought I could be. Never crossed my mind. Like wow. never crossed my mind. The only thought that popped in my head was, I don't have time to waste. Like I have to, like, I, I might've wanted to go to school for four years and kind of, you know, do the sorority thing and hang out. And I was like, nope, I don't have time for that. It's school. So I went to the traditional, you know, uh, state college. And I remember I had to get Dean approval because I was taking eight classes at a time to Dang. graduate. Yeah, it was crazy to graduate within two years, but I had a lot of support from my, you know, my family and my ex-husband was amazing support. Like my mom, my ex-husband, my aunt, grandma, everyone was amazing support system for me. So 
I had the school unlock and I, you know, I balanced picking the kids up from daycare, but I had a lot of support on, you know, on just everything around the kids. So why, why was you, why, you know, most colleges take four years. Why did you want to get it done in two? Kids. I knew that I needed to get a career started like ASAP with the kids. I'm like, I'm not trying to live off student loans or grants. And, you know, I, I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood and I wasn't trying to lower my lifestyle to anything less than that. Um, even if it meant doing that for two years, I was like, nah, I want to do that. Let me hurry up and get through it so I can sustain this lifestyle. I know you said you had support, but eight classes is eight classes in one time. So how did you, how did you get through that? It just, I mean, honestly, I paid attention during class, did my schoolwork. I mean, I I was very um, strategic about what classes I was going to take, making sure I carved time out uh, before I picked my kids up from school. Like when I picked the kids up from school, I rarely had homework because I was getting it done during school or I would... Um, carve out half my weekend to do it when I knew that I, my parents or um, ex-husband could watch the kids. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And you know, up until 2014, I had no life because I went from the bachelor's degree to a master's to another master's to a PhD. So, and I didn't finish a PhD. I have all but my dissertation done and I need to, I need to get myself back into doing that. But um, you know, up, in, up until 2014, it, it's all I knew was school and, and kids. Mm. <laughs> what was your stress levels like yeah you know I look back on that and I'm just like how was I not stressed out but you know that's I get energized from being worked like I, I love it like I don't it doesn't really it doesn't stress me out in a negative way I love it man you know <laughs> one of the things that's interesting to me was I didn't <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy but uh-huh. Up until I saw Belly, I didn't even know black people lived in uh, Nebraska, right? Oh, yeah, we're out there. You know, (laughs) the sad thing really honestly is, um, I think it was 2012, Omaha was um, the most dangerous place for a black man. Not because of an outside race. It was because of our own. It was very dangerous. Um, Very dangerous. I mean, it was so dangerous um, when I was in high school. So many shootings and... um, you know, honestly, most of my classmates have been murdered or are in prison. Wow. Yeah. I, I just, ne- I mean, when I saw Belly, I was like, damn, Omaha. And I thought it was, I thought it was, um, I thought it was fake. And, nope, and fake. I'm going to be honest, j- just meeting you and a couple other people on social media is what made me realize, oh, it's Black people really in Omaha. Oh, yeah, we're there. We're there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what made you decide to leave Omaha? Okay, so my grandparents were military and they went to Omaha. Then my mom joined the military, traveled everywhere and decided to go back to Omaha to be with her parents. Well, she actually got stationed in Omaha and she just stayed. So Omaha was never felt like home. We don't, I don't have any family there except for one aunt who stayed. but our family actually is in Beaumont and in Augusta. So um, I didn't really have any roots tying me to Omaha, but also the tip about um, 
the how dangerous Omaha is. I mean, it's so dangerous. You can't go out and have fun in Omaha. It's always, you know, a shooting. So um, that was something I didn't want to be around. And then also black progressiveness is not a thing. Mm-hmm. So, where did you where did you where, where did you go when you left Omaha? What'd you say? Where did you go once you left Omaha? Um, I went to Maryland. So when I got my second master's, I um, got a scholarship with uh, the National Security Agency, NSA. And um, they, essentially it paid for my living expenses. And they dropped like $35,000 in your account. And they're like, hey, don't work. We got you. And then they paid your college. And they're like, only thing you have to do is come work for us for two years. But you know, you, had, you still make near, near six figures doing it. So I was like, oh, well, bet. You know, and so um, <clears throat> that's what I did. And uh, I really thought I was going to be there probably until retirement, until I really started understanding how real estate snowballed. And um, yeah, and the rest is history. I met, I met Eric, my current husband, met Eric, and um, yeah. Did you have any family in the DC area before you came? No. Were you scared? Um. No, because since I was a teenager, I wanted to move to Maryland because I had godparents who now reside in Texas, but I had godparents who lived in um, in Crofton uh, who were working on Fort, Me- Fort Meade. And it, when I went to go visit them during the summers, I, it was the first um, <clears throat> insight that I had of Blacks who had nice houses, nice cars, nice normal careers um just black progressiveness i i did not see that so i so it was always stuck in my head like i'm leaving omaha to go to maryland and um even my career field going to cybersecurity was literally done because i knew how saturated um the market was for uh cybersecurity professionals in the maryland area and so yeah i mean i purposely wanted to move to Maryland just for that. How did you, how did your um, family adjust? Because you, because you were in school so much, they, they spent, they spent a lot of time with your kids and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. you picked up and you left. So what was their reaction? Well, luckily my father died when I was five. So um, it's really just my mother and my aunt who were left in Omaha and my mom, luckily she, um, my mom is a retired federal law enforcement agent and she uh, retired about two years after I moved to Maryland, um, after I moved to Maryland. So she, you know, it was just a countdown, you know, since I left as a countdown, I'm moving there and, you know, 24 months, tw- 23 months, you know, and finally she moved to Maryland with us. And then she also moved to Houston. Hmm. Oh, so she moved, she moved to Maryland. Yep. She moved to Maryland and we, we all lived in one house. She had a mother-in-law suite um, in Maryland. And then in Houston, she came and she, built her own house down just like five minutes away from me oh wow okay well that's good to know yeah let's get let's get back so you you had some success with real estate where did did you start seeing your most success was it here in the state of Maryland well I can't I can't even say what happened to be the most successful excuse me the most successful because all of it really played a part um, the trajectory really started taking off when I purchased a property, my last property in Omaha. And that was a 19 unit apartment building. And I bought it 
pretty low um, and renovated it and the rents are pretty high. So getting that rent roll um, increased and, and stabilized was key to everything that followed. You said a 19, 19 unit apartment? Yes. And this was in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. So because you were living in Maryland, how, how was it, how, how would you describe the ability to maintain it? Because you're in a totally different state from the unit. So let me tell you, I got back up and tell you the story about how I acquired this property. Okay. Okay. So I was like, you know, I, something popped in my head. I said, you know, I should buy an apartment building. And so I start looking in Omaha and in Maryland for apartment buildings. I, I liked Omaha because I understood the, the, the clientele, the tenant population in Omaha. So I knew that I could, it would, I, I knew what I was dealing with basically. And um, so I start looking, I found one and I called the broker, broker never called me back, kept calling for three weeks, no response from the broker. And I'm like, they just don't want to sell this property. So I started reverse looking, uh, looking up the the uh, owner found it was under LLC, looked at the L who owned the LLC or really who was filing the LLC documents, Googled him. And I found that it belonged to a guy that lived in New York City. Mm. So I really wanted this apartment building. So I, I called him. I said, hey, I uh, am trying to buy your apartment complex in Omaha, but the broker's not responding. And he's like, okay, that's weird. So um, he's like, well, we start talking a little bit. He's a, he's from Jerusalem. We start talking a little bit and he was like, Hmm, you know, I like you meet me in, in New York city on the corner of whatever street it was. And we're going to go <laughs> eat sushi. I said, well, that's pretty crazy. I said, when, are we, when do you want to do this? And he was like, how about Friday? I think it was like a Tuesday. I'm like, okay. Um, so I told my family, I'm going to go meet this guy, but the apartment complex, everyone's like, yeah, but he's going to kill you. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, well, shit, I'm hungry. Like I'm going to, I, I want to do it. You got to take chances, you know? And um, I was like, okay, we're making sure we're going to public area. I Googled it, map quit, mapped it out. And I'm like, okay, it's pretty open area. It's not like a weird alley or anything like that. All right, cool. Let's go. And it's a, it was an expensive sushi place. I'm like, I don't think anything crazy is going to happen. So I meet him. He pulls up in his Ferrari, his best friend pulls up in his Ferrari. And I'm just like, oh, wow, you know, this is a big thing. Anyways, long story short, come to find out his parents own the public relations firm that represents U.S. presidents. And he also owns several hotels like in New York and in, in New York City. He says, I like you. I'm going to take off $250 off the asking price, $250,000 off the asking price off the asking price and i'm gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars cash wow i'm like what <laughs> okay and you know i'm trying to be like oh my god yes and this is your i'm like oh my god like you know thank you so much i don't know what to say I, I you know what do you say to that and so <laughs> i go home and the whole train ride i'm just like this is really weird like why would he do this like something has to be wrong with these apartments like that's weird and um, I'm like, you know what? Let's go ahead and take the chance because something's wrong with it. I have $100,000 cash. I can fix it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. So yeah, I, I went ahead and did it. He pushed the money over to my lender, put the $100,000, um, you know, gave the, lend gave the lender the $100,000 and you know, moved to my savings account. And the rest is history. Um, the apartment appreciated over $300,000 past the two fifty. dollars So um, 
math wise, I have about 500 and some thousand dollars of equity in that apartment. And that's what allowed me to pull out money on the, um, on the apartments to go and do other things like flipping houses or building, building properties, things like that. So that, so the, so the apartment is what really was the, the, the catalyst. That, yep. Okay. Yep. And, and do you, do you hire somebody to run, run these apartments? How does that work? So I own a property management company in Maryland and, um, they do the administrative side of, we have someone, um, um, on the ground who does the maintenance and who also will do things like serve the tenants if they need to be served with a notice or something like that. Um, but we have, yeah, so, so it kind of works out for us. You know what? Let me back up about the building because you said it, it, it appraised and everything. Was there any work that needed to be done to it? Or? Yep. So not much really. Um, so the guy in New York City told me about something called quote unquote working a building. And basically you get a property and it's kind of the same thing, like a flipping process, but you work it in a way where you kind of take one, you look at, you look at your entire rent roll, you see who's paying late, who's out of contract. And you start saying like, Hey, you kind of got to get your stuff together or you got to get out. And, you know, we don't kick them out, but we kind of make it, we put the ball in their court. Like we've got to put, you've got to get money, you know, got to get your rent in time. Um, and what I did was I met with all my tenants and said, Hey, this property needs X, Y, Z. I know you guys want that, those things done in the, in the property. I need rent to be submitted on time so that I can do those things for you. Majority of them were on board. They are never late. Um, and we've done the improvements, but some of them, they weren't on board. They, so they, they left. And um, the ones that left, we renovated their apartments. We increased their rent on the units. And so the property stabilized. And what that did was increase our rent roll, which made the property appraised for a whole lot more. Wow. So, yeah. So previously the rents were lower because it didn't have, I mean, it had outdated fixtures and such. How long did it take to do these renovations? We did them over a course of six months. So do you, do you have, do you, because, because you're like investing and flipping it, do you have a company that you, that you rely on to do these renovations or? Yeah. You know, so like, for the Omaha one, yeah, I use a guy um, in Omaha who does all my maintenance, all my renovations. Um, and then for the Texas properties, yep, I use I use one company. Okay. Do you actually still keep in contact with the gentleman who sold you the building? Absolutely. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he is amazing. Like if I have an idea, he'll call me and say, hey, like I've got X amount of money to give out. Like, do you have an idea of what something you want to do? And I'll, you know, he's an amazing private lender. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. But did you have you have has there ever been a move that you was really nervous about besides that one? Because you said you were pretty nervous. Was there another move that you could think of that you was like, man, I don't really know if I should do this properly. This may be too much. You know, after that one, my risk tolerance was minimal. Um, I mean, I have, I have a high risk tolerance, sorry, um, because there's not much that can go wrong with properties. I mean, if, if, as long as you don't over invest into a property, 
your money will be held in that property, but you won't lose. And so I, for me, it was never, I don't have a issue with real estate. The only time I've ever been nervous is on non-tangible investments like uh, when I purchased our security company or crypto, I don't, I do not do cryptocurrency, but things that are um, intangible are things that make me kind of uh, start squealing. <laughs> Wait, man. So do you have to have that? You said hybrid. Do you have to have that oh, hybrid tolerance in order to be successful? You have to, because if you don't take risks, there's no reward. We hear that all the time. Scared money don't make money. And it's true. If you're scared, you will never take the leap. You'll never accept the risk and you'll be too stressed out. So you have to, like your quality of life is too important. So if you are super risk adverse, your quality of life is going to be terrible if you go into something that's risky. Hmm. And now you've, because you've enjoyed success, you've, you've started teaching others. And I want to give you the opportunity to talk about that as well. Yep. So on any given day, my inbox is like flooded with like, how do I do this? How do that? And so I was taking time out, like, okay, this is how you do it. And talking to a million different people, exaggeration, but a lot of different people. And I'm just like, this is taking out way too much time in my life to, you know, tell everyone individually of how do you do this and mentor and this and that. And so um, I created a retreat, super inexpensive. It's almost kind of free um, because we provide lodging for two days, food, all that for $500. And um, and it's a, a two day uh, retreat where we, it's not just me, but it's other professionals speaking on how do you go from saving the money, finding the deal, investing in the deal, finding contractors, working your numbers, selling the property, your tax, the tax, uh, your tax situation. We go through everything from A to Z. Like you can walk away and, and be knowledgeable to go and do your first investment. And then um, just from feedback that I was getting from people, um, it wasn't just the the knowledge that the knowledge shared they needed. It was the the entrance to invest in real estate, the financial entrance. So um, the typical flip will cost out of pocket about $90,000 out of pocket. What I was finding was most people don't have $90,000 to just throw out and be a risk, you know? So what we started doing was we created investment, <laughs> excuse me, investment groups so that we can pull people who have at least $10,000 together in a bundle and we manage the project forms. We don't really have to have the um, experience of flipping um, because it's hands-off and we do it for them. We, we take a 20% fee on once the property's sold, but it's pretty hands-off, pretty passive, and it allows people to build their wealth without really having to take time away from family or work and they can continue to work full-time and still kind of get reap the benefits of flipping. You know, all this conversation we've had, but I don't recall you saying like you've had help or advice. Did you have any mentors helping you through this? Huh, no. So remember, I was 19. No one in my peer group was interested in real estate. I actually lost friends because I was like, hey, girl, you're going out. I remember distinctively this conversation I told my best friend at the time, hey, you know, you're going out buying all these expensive sunglasses and purses. I mean, you literally could just go buy a house. This is back when houses in Omaha were like $20,000. And um, 
And she got mad at me, you know, like, you know, you know, got mad at me about it. So, um, no, I did not have mentors. I literally had to figure everything out on my own, but by the grace of God, I never have had a loss. And I don't even know if that's because I researched it well enough, or I made educated, educated, educated guesses and decisions, or is it pure luck or just a blessing. I don't know. Maybe it's all, all of those things wrapped into one, but, um, but yeah, I, I did not have a mentor and that's why actually when I moved to Houston, I was very purposeful with the friends that I have in my circle um, because I didn't want to be the one at the top. I don't want to be the the top, the one that's, that's done everything and has all the answers that I'm mentoring all my friends. I want it to be a two-way street where you teach me, I teach you. Um, and create those kinds of friendships and relationships. Um, and that's what we've done. So that I have friends who've been building houses longer than I have. So I can ask them questions and not just be like, a, well, let me see, let me make the most educated you know, decision here. So, um, but no, to answer your question, no, no mentors. Be- well, you mentioned losing friends. So did that make you feel a certain type of way? Like, ah, oh, maybe I'm moving too fast or I'm doing too much or... Like I may be, or people may think I'm trying to brag when really all I'm trying to do is help. I've always been very confident, not cocky, but very confident. And um, I mean, honestly, <laughs> taking you back to high school, I just thought that like I was above everything. You know, I'm just like, I'm above <laughs> high school, like all this stuff. Like I'm gonna, you know, I just need to hurry and get through high school and get through college. Cause I know I'm destined to do X, Y, and Z. Like I've always thought like I'm destined for this kind of thing. And I was just kind of just like playing the, the American um, game of high school and college and things like that. So I can get to where I want to be. Um, and so when my friends were pushing back, I'm just like, oh, they, they're conditioned to, to think like this and maybe they're not destined for greatness. I mean, that's really how I thought I, it didn't do anything. To, it didn't do anything to motivate me or demotivate me. It was just like a matter of fact of, um, Hey, but you know, they're, they're on something different. And sometimes you leave your friends in old chapters and that's what it really, what it was. You made a, you made the, you made a lot of moves, um, as a single parent, and, but you also mentioned that you met your husband, Eric, in the state of Maryland. So how has meeting him actually helped progress you in business? Okay. So I was not necessarily a single mother, um, during my time, um, in my early twenties, I was, I was, I was married to my ex-husband, my kid's father. I was married. So he, and he's, I don't want to ever diminish the support that he did give me okay. um, because he most definitely was listening to my dreams, pushing me and even to this day still pushes me. So I definitely don't want to diminish that. Um, but I was a young mother and we were both were young parents trying to figure out a way. So that definitely was, was a thing. But with Eric, Eric was, more, um, you know, with my ex-husband, we were both young and just, you know, you know, the word toxic, we're toxic. So the thing was, we were both just, you know, young and doing dumb things. And so that did probably was a hindrance to me growing as fast as I could have um, grown, um, or grew, to use correct vernacular. (laughs) Um, uh, but with Eric, he was definitely more mature, chill. Um, he's kind of like the, the calm, supportive, person um that grounded me 
that grounded me emotionally and made me mature as a woman. I'm kind of phasing my, because I met Eric when I was 25. So he's, you know, I was kind of phasing out of the childish, um, you know, young adult uh, mindset to an adult mindset. And so he, I really think, pulled those qualities out of me, which really did help me in my trajectory because my thought process was more mature and I was more stabilized and, um, yeah. Right. I think everyone in my life who's in my close circle really, um, you know, they had a definitive role in my growth. Okay. And you met, and you mentioned also in the beginning, you, you, you're building a um, generational wealth, Mm -hmm. um, like legacies. Yeah. Are you actually teaching your, your daughters now about real estate? Oh, yes. So I have five kids total. Okay. Um, I have two daughters, three sons. Even my four-year-old son, EJ, go, I, he goes with me to all the houses because he's, he's not in daycare because COVID. So he goes with me to walk houses. And his little butt, he'll walk in and say, oh, mommy, this one, the floor doesn't match. We got, you have to have the, my contractor's name's Louis. <laughs> come do the floors you know he he has an eye for this already and he knows that we don't like closed up kitchens so he'll say mommy tell Luis to take this wall down you know so he <laughs> he's, he's already learning um you know some of those traits of you know walking a property and knowing you know knowing what needs to happen so and that's one of the most important things in flipping so you can have accurate numbers you know you also working on a program that I think is tremendous. Um, we talked about it a little bit before mm-hmm. we, we started recording. You're working on a program um, to help convicted felons. So I definitely wanted you to talk more about that. Okay. So, you know, like I said before, my background is in social work. So I've never abandoned um, what I think my social duties are. Um, one, excuse me, we have, excuse me, the Rebuild um, nonprofit, which is, um, for felons uh, in general, and also for veterans who um, have felonies and have a hard time adjusting into society. So what the program does is it helps um, those who are fresh out of prison uh, with their reentry into society, house, finding housing, just normal case management for that type of thing. But it also has another tip since we are real estate developers, um, it is job training. And the reason why I am um, why I tailored this to felons is because the catalyst to uh, felons re- re- um, going back into prison, recidivism, is that they, uh, is money motivated. And um, a lot of felons do not like nine to five jobs. And so flipping gives you the opportunity to make money and not work the nine to five job. You don't have to work for anyone really. Um, and so, and it's it's not fast money, but it's fast money. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of what the mindset of a lot of felons are. Um, and so that's why we've tailored to that population. So the, they get out, they get their case management, and then we also teach them and provide them a wage, teach them um, the trades of flipping administratively, how do you find a deal? How do you get funding? How do you work your numbers? All those things. And then they also work with Luis, um, which is a contractor company, um, work with him on learning how to do some of the trades like tile work or carpet or laying floors, drywall, 
um, carpentry, all those things. So they, and the deal is once the property sells, they get a percentage of the sale. So they can kind of get that reward and feel that, feel how exciting it is once you sell it and you see your check. And um, we hold the check in their savings account. And then once they're done with the program, you know, two years, um, they'll get their, um, their profits. And we're hoping that it's enough that they can um, go in in a partnership with others in the program and flip their own property themselves without our help. Wow. What year did you start this? Oh, this is brand new this year. I mean, has it already started or? Yep. So we, we yep. So we're, we're actually just piloting it now. Um, we just got the, um, the nonprofit status in December. And so it's just revving up right now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And you're also working on like a book or a planner. I'm, I want to make sure that I say it correctly. Sure. So there's, it's kind of like a guidebook. I call it a journal um, because what it really is, is getting folks who are interested into real estate to kind of put it down on paper and break the steps up into more manage, manageable pieces. So it starts from someone who's like, hey, I have the idea that I want to invest into real estate. And it's really fo- um hyper-focused into the investment group that I have. I think I talked about earlier. Um, and I, I don't know if I said it, but the, the minimum amount that you can bring to the investment group is $10,000. So this is um, focused on someone who may say, I want to bring in 10,000 or 20, whatever their goal is. Um, we create a savings plan, a budget plan to get them to that um, that goal. But it also, it's, that's their small, their short-term goal, but that's those large-term goals. Like, what do you want to do after you acquire X amount of money? Do you want to put it into an apartment building? Do you want to build, you know, build, or it could be something different. Like I want to open a skating rink. So it's really about breaking down your goals into manual pieces and, um, you know, seeing them through. Uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty much the basis of the, of the, of the journal. Did you write it or you yourself? Did you have help? What was the nope. writing process like? I wrote it myself over a weekend. Popped in my head one day and I said, wow, people have issues with um, digesting their goals. And I sat down on a Saturday and got obsessed with the with, with this and I just wrote it out. So you finished it in one weekend? I finished it in a day and submitted to copyright. I, I started at 10 a.m. one day, finished it at uh, about 9 to 10 p.m. and set it off for copywriting by midnight. <laughs> <laughs> How many pages is it? Um, It's not too long. It's like 30-some or 40-some pages. I mean, that's still, for one day, that's, damn. Yeah. Yes, yeah, not, I mean... It went too bad. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty impressive. Like, even the illustrations are really nice in it, so... Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. So you you had to do the illustrations as well. Yep. Wow. When and when when will it be available? Um, I checked the copyright site and it says it has uh their estimate thirty days, thirty to forty five days for it to finish copyrights. Okay. Yeah. Are you comfortable talking about a price point or not yet? Um. Yes, I think it was, you know, I, I think it's $25. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm almost positive it's $25. Okay. Yeah. They, they, can, they, they can go, like anyone wants to, that's interested in it, can go to apwealthconnect.com and click on order a book. And then you can submit your Google form there. And then once the copyright comes through, then I'll send a bill out and then mail it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're looking at, you said maybe like a, a month or two, maybe. Yep. Yep. 
is it because you because you love to set goals? Is there a goal yep. that you've set to sell? Um, no, oh no, not for sale. No, um, no, it's really <laughs> just done. Kind of, it really was just done for because um, there's so many people that want to in, get into the investor group, and they're like, I got, I, I'm, you know, I'm working on getting my ten thousand dollars or whatever. So I'm just like, you know, let me help people, you know, get to this. I think, I mean, it's a, it's an issue. And I and I met a few people who are like, well, I do own a couple of rental properties. I just don't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. So that's kind of where I started that. I want to end it with this. What's next for you? Because you've done some amazing things in real estate, um, different security business. You've played your hands in a lot. So what's next? Well, I have my groundbreaking on Sunday for the five luxury um, single families in Houston. So that's what's next next. What's after that? Like my contractor and I actually set, like he and I are like really like, I call my best friend, um, but we um, sat down and created a five-year plan on um, what we want to do next. And one of them is to create a um, residential and commercial space. And if you get the drift, the name of the space would be called Noir Oasis. Mm. And um, it will have a lake, a black lake black sand lake um and all of the businesses will be black owned wow yep and it'll be an entertainment area kind of some like not as big as david busters but something similar for kids with you know have the things for adults um cigar and wine and so we have a um a committee of seven of us who are on it and we actually will begin doing fundraising for it soon wow yeah. And this will be in Houston. We'll be in Houston. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow. Wow. You definitely got to keep us posted on that. Most definitely. Would will you if, if everything was to go according to your plan, what year would we be looking at? You know, I'm not sure because um we want to try and pull in funds from people that either don't well, and also I, I didn't explain this either, but um we want to be an exclusive place. Like we don't want uh, quote unquote ratchet activities. Um, so we're, <laughs> so it's going to be a gated off area, even gated to get into the commercial space. And wow. so it's will be a membership basis. Like it, it will be very low membership, but like, you know, hundred dollars a year, $120 a year to get into that space. And so what we're trying to do is sell membership to help us develop that area. And so it depends really on how much, how, um, how much we pull into for our funds and how quickly we can do it. You know, I, I you know, I, I wanted to end the podcast with that, but I have a question that I have to ask and I'm sure my listeners will want to know sure. where you're at now and looking back at that 19 year old girl who bought that first property, mm-hmm. how proud are you of everything you've accomplished? <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Um, I'm sometimes I'm in disbelief, honestly. Like I, I am in shock. Like I did not think this would happen. I thought that I was going to buy that property and, and oh, okay, what's well, the extra $1,500 a month? Well, cool. I can be a social worker for, you know, forever. And I'll have an extra 1500. My goal was pretty low at the time. I did not see this coming. And then, um, you know, I hit my mid twenties and I thought, well, God, life is so short. I rather, not go to work every day, you know? And so my goal, <laughs> <laughs> so my, 
my goals changed. Um, and so I think that's important to make sure your, your goals are fluid and that they can always change, but my gosh, yeah, I'm, um, very proud of myself. I, I thank God literally every day that he's given me the health and the mental capacity to be doing these things. Cause I, I have no clue where my ambition and things came from. It's just, um, just God given. Well, listen, I want to take the time to thank you for um, being, have been on the podcast. It's truly been an honor. And also just want to congratulate you on everything you've accomplished because I've known you for about, let's see, maybe six or seven years. Seven years, yep. So to see where you were then, I mean, I can see the progression, but to see where you're at now, is actually, it's like, wow. So mm-hmm. I really commend you on what you've done and I wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Do you want to um, do you want to tell the people like how they can follow you? Because you got a lot with the book and some projects coming up. So you want to tell people how they can follow you or the best way, excuse me, is to go onto the website, the APWealthConnect.com. And, um, you know, just there's my email address there. If you want to follow me, just send me an email and I'll send you my social media things. I actually don't know them, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah, that's probably the best way. You said APWealth.com? AP Wealth Connect. Oh, AP Wealth Connect. Okay. Yeah, it stands for Affluent and Prosperous Wealth Connections. Okay. All right. Well, again, I want to say congratulations and I wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you. I want to take I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. And you can listen to the podcast on Apple. Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.